Welcome to the Responsibly Different mini-series exploring the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, helping you set meaningful goals in 2023. Welcome to the Responsibly Different mini-series featuring the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. In this episode, Brittany and I will be discussing goal number three, good health and well-being. The United Nations defines this goal as ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. From reading the outcome targets and means of implementation, there's a lot that we need to do to ensure this goal comes true. Some of the targets that the UN has set to benchmark this goal include reduce the global maternity mortality rate and end preventable deaths of newborns and children under five years of age, end the epidemics of AIDS, tuberculosis, malaria, and neglected tropical diseases, have the number of global deaths and injuries from road traffic accidents, ensure universal access to sexual and reproductive health care services, and strengthen the prevention and treatment of substance abuse. I want to make note as well to a large effort made worldwide, the UN was seeing significant strides by focusing on providing more efficient funding of healthcare systems, like improved sanitation and hygiene and increased access to physicians. But we all know COVID-19 hit the world and caused a global health crisis unlike any other we've seen in recent history. For the sake of this episode, let's focus on everything else this goal stands for and how our listeners can continue to support healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages aside from COVID-19. Totally. We know that COVID-19 devastated the world. I can only imagine that it also devastated achievements that we have already made to our healthcare system around the globe. I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, how can we help build back the progress that was made pre-COVID and ensure healthy lives and well-being for all at all ages? But that's where our research started. Before we say we want to achieve universal health coverage and sustainable financing for health, we need to understand what needs to be done in order to get there. We sat down to talk about the basics of medicine with Sanskriti Takur, Chief Growth Officer at Medible. Medible is on a mission to get effective therapies to patients faster by transforming clinical drug development with disruptive technologies. Everyone around the world, if they have access to it, takes medicine, right? Medicine is something that helps keep the whole global population healthier, safer, increases our mortality, our longevity, etc. But what very few people know is that only 3% of the global population takes a part in making the medicine themselves. So the big problem is that medicines are made for very few people. 
And so they're tailored for only 3% of the population. And that's why we have suboptimal outcomes in patient health, in patient safety, and the long-term impact that medicines will have. So the problem that Michelle Longmire and the founders of Medible aimed to solve around 2015, 2016, was getting the best treatments to all patients around the world and solving the problem of clinical trials for everyone. Because without the clinical trial, you don't make the medicine. And without the medicine, there's no treatments available. And what I found extremely interesting about what Medible is doing is that they are working to make clinical trials more accessible to underrepresented populations, building more equity in our healthcare system. So I mentioned this is mostly a health equity problem because 80% of clinical trials involve white men. And so we eliminate the opportunity for most women, most ethnicities, children, and essentially most of the global population to have medicines that are made for their biology and for the own outcomes that they need to achieve from those areas. And so that's why a platform was established, a technology platform that facilitates clinical development and provides open access to it to patients around the world. And it's important to note that it's not a set of services. It's a real scalable technology that can be accessed by mobile phone, which is why it can democratize the clinical trial and therefore the medicines made as a result. If you're sitting here wondering what a clinical trial is, you're not alone. So we asked Sanskruti to explain that a bit more for us. So any medicine, you know, from an over-counter drug like Tylenol to very complicated cancer agents like chemotherapy, all of them went through a process governed by the FDA. The Food and Drug Administration's job is to make sure that we have the highest quality food and drugs available to the U.S. population. And across the world, there are similar entities that do the same thing for the countries, and for the global population. So a clinical trial is actually all the phases of how we make medicine. With companies like Medible, they are working to ensure everyone is represented in our healthcare systems. Now, our healthcare systems have their problems. They're not perfect, but we know there are private companies and nonprofits working on the front lines to ensure access to needed healthcare services. An example of a company working to support their employees and supply chains via access to healthcare is Hanahana Beauty. Their founder and CEO, Abna Bwama Champong, a Ghanaian American woman, saw firsthand on a visit to Ghana how laborious making shea butter is. When Abna launched Hanahana Beauty, she wanted to ensure that her supply chain was helping those that were helping her brand. She worked to make the circle of care program at her business, where healthcare is now provided to these women and their families to ensure their basic needs are met. 
The Hanahana Circle of Care program is one where in the most simple form, the company is caring for its people, including ensuring their health care needs are met. It is such a beautiful thing, seeing empowered women empowering women. Similarly, through our conversation with And Sisters, a certified B Corporation creating sustainable period care products, I saw that same thing in the time I got to spend with Charlie Cohen and Lucy Lettuce. Lucy is one of the co-founders of Ancestors, and Charlie is their CEO. You will hear them both explain how their company approaches empowering and supporting women better as a business. We wanted to create um, a business that was offering the best products, but also the kind of education to come with that, because a lot of what we do is sort of re-education you know um 80 of women didn't um, when we did research didn't realize that um uh, their products weren't already made from cotton so i think there's um the kind of yeah the sort of reason for being was really that we just felt that women deserve better did you hear that lucy just shared that 80 percent of women did not know or did not realize what was in the products they were using that feels like a problem that ancestors identified and is working to change to better the industry. One is the toxic chemicals um, and essentially concoctions that go into mainstream period care. Um, so we can talk a lot about the health implications of those uh, and obviously the environmental uh, impact as well. Uh, number two was uh, uh, the level of plastic that exists within mainstream period care. So depending on the product topology you're looking at, uh, but up to 95% plastic contribution. Uh, and as a result contributes, you know, one in five, uh, if not more, uh, single use plastics found on beaches and in oceans, uh, which is contributing more plastic uh, to the world uh, than things like plastic bags. And you think about all the regulation and work that's been done to remove them uh, from essentially mainstream use. Um, and then the last one uh, is around period poverty, right? Uh, you know, the, the menstrual cycle, the reproductive cycle uh, is, in my opinion, the most important biological process uh, that exists uh, in, in society today, right, in our biological process, uh, it's, it's uh, responsible for not only the uh, creation, but the continuation of human life, uh, and it deserves uh, its space uh, within the health ecosystem, um, and to be in a world, both in the developing and the developed, um, where essentially women are unable to afford essential products to manage this, uh, this cycle. Uh, it's not something that's acceptable to us, and we want to do what we can uh, to essentially close that uh, inequality. What I really like about what Charlie says here is around period poverty. It is all connected, and if we don't leave space to allow women to connect with care, their whole biological processes may be jeopardized. This makes me want to dig into what Ancestors was seeing across the globe and ask how their work is supporting all women in all these issues. I mean, Ancestors from the very, very beginning uh, has uh, has had an international presence and there's been many, many reasons for that. Uh, but I think this is a worldwide issue uh, or issues uh, that we're trying to solve for. Um, and I would say it's not necessarily a, a difference in pathway, uh, whether the country that we are addressing is developing or developed. Uh, it's more the cultural ramifications that exist within that country or differences. Um, you know, in certain countries, uh, using things like tampons are considered, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, are considered to cause a loss of virginity. And obviously, we know that a loss of virginity can cause a lot of ramifications for women in certain countries. Um, you know, on top of things like that, uh, you have a lot of stigma and taboo uh, that exists within the developed world, both in the US and the UK and obviously Western Europe. 
Um, you have places in the world where still uh, women are completely excluded from society uh, when they're menstruating. Um, you know, you've got places like Nepal, uh, certain cultures uh, where women will be made to live alone uh, during the during uh, the time that they are on their period. Uh, and obviously, uh, that doesn't uh, bear well uh, for when certain conditions uh, peak through. Um, and as we know, about 90% of women uh, will suffer uh, complications associated with menstrual cycle almost every cycle. Um, and obviously, being excluded from society at this pivotal time um, can result in uh, you know extremely bad uh, clinical outcomes. Um, and as a result, said ancestors tries to address culturally all of the countries in which we operate. Uh, whether that is uh, interpersonal or whether that is uh, regulatory-wise, um, and trying to make change. Um, you know, certain countries are more developed on that journey, and we do our best to essentially, again, bring equality across the world. Uh, but I would say no country is currently meeting the gold standard of where we would like uh, or where we envisage uh, the world to be when it comes to women's health. One thing that And Sisters is doing that we can all help with is by advocating. Yes, businesses standing up for what they believe in is powerful, but as a single person, your voice matters as well. You know, we've seen in the US, for example, on abortion rights, um, you know, this is a great example, right, uh, of where women's health can sometimes be ignored. Um, and, uh, you know, it really stems from the grassroots. The people, the, the people in the end control democracy, right? Uh, and they really need to advocate uh, for their leaders, right, uh, to introduce new legislation to protect women's rights. An insight that I appreciated Charlie sharing was his recognition of the gender health gap within the healthcare system. The gender health gap is uh, it's well recognized, right? Uh, it doesn't matter which nation you're from, um, and it essentially stems from all areas of society. Uh, we know that the healthcare system, uh, whether you're operating within the NHS or within private organizations, uh, has been designed by men for a long, long period of time, or actually since their foundation. And as a result, a lot of the treatment pathways, diagnostic journeys um, are, are designed for men. Uh, you know, even things down to uh, tracking of symptoms and recognition of symptoms. Um, you know, a good example of that is uh, if you look at heart attacks and the level of education that's put out uh, to the general populace in all countries around heart attacks, how to recognize them. Number one symptom is typically pain down the left arm, whereas for women, it's typically nausea, right? Uh, but obviously, given the fact that uh, most people don't know that, uh, you know, you'll have a lot of women uh, essentially waiting or not recognizing the fact that they are representing the early stage symptoms of a heart attack. And as a result, the clinical outcomes are far, far reduced. Did you hear that? Designed by men for men. We see this in healthcare systems and in so many other places in society. In terms of how we're pushing to close the gender health gap, um, we, we advocate for much more awareness within certification and training programs for doctors and all those involved in primary care and secondary care. Um, we advocate for much, much greater education, uh, both in terms of transparency, visibility, and access uh, to women so that they can understand and not necessarily self-diagnose, but at least better understand the conditions that they uh, are possibly at risk of suffering from uh, and recognize them and really challenge the medical community uh, to make sure if they are facing stigma or taboo uh, or uh, facing an environment where they're being essentially rejected right? Uh, from the symptoms they are, they are telling a medical clinician that they're experiencing. Uh, we want them to be educated so that they can really challenge that viewpoint. Um, in terms of other areas, uh, of course, we want to bring better products to society to make sure essentially that this world that's been built by uh, men for men, even when you look at things like sanitary product, uh, you know, we're offering better products uh, that are better for the health as well as better for the planet. Um, and then there's a last area. It's about access to resource uh, and understanding and data, right? Uh, we all know there's a huge gender data gap uh, and it's about advocating 
uh, for uh, well, and also implementing uh, better structures, better research, uh, better funding, going into essentially clinical means to make sure that we better understand these conditions, how they affect the various genders, uh, and make sure that's implemented uh, into training pathways uh, and within our health ecosystems. Uh, so I think there's a, a lot that that needs to be done, um, but obviously there's been some progress. Uh, but I would say we're still very much scratching the surface of that. With providing better education around period care by ancestors, it also means starting earlier with education. Lucy points out here that making space for those conversations early will help. In terms of kind of taking um, period care and the sort of conversation out of sort of, you know, out of home and into the sort of more public forum. Um, you know, he mentioned about um, education. I think a lot of it does sort of start, you know, at schools when you're having your first period and understanding the kind of any taboos that do exist around that and, you know, immediately smashing them down. Because actually, um, I think, yeah, how it's ingrained in society, how we view these things, um, that I think is what we really need to break out of. And to kind of thread the needle back to clinical trials with Medibol, clinical trials do not exist out there for everyone and for all the different types of healthcare. It is really hard to do all of that for everyone. So where we see our systems failing us, we all need to do our part. You know, we don't have the benefit of clinical research. That takes decades to come along. Uh, it's been under research within women's health for so, so long. Um, but we do have a lot of experience, right? We're a human race. Um, and a community tends to be the best thing. So if you're experiencing a challenge or have experienced a challenge and you have had a diagnostic journey you've been on, share that, right? Share that with your community so that others that experience the same symptoms uh, can can follow and have a quicker uh, pathway to diagnosis and therefore a better outcome. This is so important. I want to emphasize what Charlie is saying here about sharing those experiences. We know that period care isn't limited to just people that identify as women. The transgender community, especially trans men, face similar challenges with period care and have even more limited research on how to best care for our bodies. In research by the Australia-based organization called Trans Health Research, they found that 45% of trans people have experienced severely lacking knowledge among healthcare providers in how to provide the care that's needed. I know as a trans man myself, I have participated in several clinical studies conducted by healthcare providers in my region, and that research is helping others in my community. The same can be said for a myriad of other healthcare concerns. If you are willing and able to participate in those clinical studies, it can help not just yourself, but others in your community. I love that, Ben. Thanks for sharing. That's exactly right. Be an active member in this world and share what you are most comfortable with that you think might be able to help another person. I can't solve the world's healthcare problems we are seeing, but I know we need our people universally to be healthy, have healthcare coverage, and to have sustainable financing for it. Our people are the foundation for healthy economies. We can't have healthy economies without healthy people. They just go hand in hand. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. This was UN SDG number three, good health and well-being. In addition to supporting companies that pay attention to good health and well-being, you individually can also promote and protect your own health and the health of your community by making well-informed choices, practicing safer sex, staying up to date with recommended vaccines and ensuring your kiddos are as well, and following the guidance of your health care professionals. 
The key to this is access to quality healthcare services, especially for our most vulnerable populations. So hold your government accountable to improve people's access to health resources and healthcare. In our show notes, we link to a few companies that are working to ensure everyone has access to healthcare. Sadly, we weren't able to get them all on the show, but you should check them out anyway. There is so much more to cover with this topic, so please don't stop your learning here. Visit the links in the show notes in your podcast player to learn more about what you can do and the work of others around the globe. Be sure to listen back to our first two goals and stay tuned for more of the Sustainable Development Goals episodes the rest of this month. Until next time, be responsibly different. It's okay, it's on my own bright future in the lights today. I can show you too, like it's 1962. Got a bright future in the nick of time, bright future in the nick of time. Got a bright future in the nick of time, bright future in the nick. This episode was hosted and produced by yours truly, Ben Marine and Brittany Angelo. We purchased this music from the amazing B Corp Marmoset Music. You can check them out at marmosetmusic.com. To learn more about us, visit responsiblydifferent.com. And to learn more about our parent company, visit dirigocollective.com. <laughs>